Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your grace this day. Lord, we're here tonight because of your grace today. Lord, help us to be um, reflective and, and thankful for what you've done for us. Um, this day. Help us not to take anything for granted. Lord, if, if you give us only what we thank you for this evening, Lord, let us be grateful. Let us be thankful. Let us reflect and, and, and bless you and bless your name for all that you've done for us today. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Fill us now. Fill us by the power of your spirit. Lead us by the power of your spirit and and guide us and and, uh, bring us into your truth, all truth. And Lord God, we'll be careful to bless your name tonight. Bless your name, Lord. In your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. 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 Have you... uh, You've ever, we're going to be in, uh, we're in 1 Samuel, pastor tells me we're, we're starting chapter 17 uh, this evening, so I'm just going to go with, with where he's at. So we're in 1 Samuel 17, uh, and it's very familiar, very familiar, and so sometimes we have a tendency to uh, kind of tune in and tune out, so don't do that. <laughs> don't do that this evening. Huh? You know, it's like, um, have you ever seen, a, there's a, an, an old rerun of a, of a TV show that you just can't see enough you know, how many people would turn the TV off if Lucy started stomping on grapes? Anybody remember that, you know, the episode? Or, or, or in the, the factory, right, where she's uh, her and Ethel. You wouldn't turn that off. You could see it again and again and again. You know, those classics. Um, sometimes it's, um, they're simple or we know what it is or what's going to happen, and, but we still laugh and, or we still get, uh, get something out of it, some enjoyment out of it. Well, that's what First Samuel 17 um, is like you know we we grew up on David and Goliath. Everybody knows David and Goliath, the saved and the unsaved. Everybody, um, so it's familiar. So again, we'll fight that um, that beast of familiarity that causes us to snooze and fall asleep um, on what God has for us. Um, I've often said that studying His Word is like digging for gold. There's a gold nugget in here. Even for those who have been sifting and digging and digging in this same place before, you know, there may be a gold nugget that you've never come across, and you will never exhaust the Word of God, ever. I double dog dare dare you uh, to, uh, somebody else is going to do a double dog dare tonight too, but I, I dare you to try. You will never exhaust it. So as many times as we go through it, um, there's something there for us. So we're digging for gold nuggets tonight. My prayer is that you would find one that you would leave with tonight going, that was, that's valuable, something I can hang on to. Um, what I would like us to think on as we're going through this, this section, too, is um, how do we know? Here's the, the theme I want to, to, to put in your hearts or plant in your hearts. How do we know what's in your heart? How do we know what's in anyone's heart? I can't see yours. I certainly can't judge your heart. How do I know what's in it? You know, there is a way. God, I mean, we look on the outside. God looks on the inside and judges our hearts, even judges our thoughts, our very thoughts. How do we, you and I, see and, um, and, and are capable of, of judging, not judging, but knowing someone's heart? I think we're going to see that. Um, tonight, and with everything, with every section that we go through, I want that to be the theme that we look at. 
Because you're going to see David's heart tonight. You're going to see David's heart revealed again and again. What's inside? And I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself the same question. How do people know my heart? How do people know if my heart is for God? Just what I do sitting here on Wednesday night or Sunday or whatever. But how do they know my heart? So we're going to ask that question by looking and examining, examining David. Um, so um, 1 Samuel 17. It starts off with uh, um, um, an introduction um, to the, this battle that's getting ready to, to commence. 1 Samuel 17 reads this way. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. And I'm looking at the NIV version. I would like to change that. I want the NASV, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, no preference. There's no version that's the right version, but uh, I've got my preferences. Um, and so it says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at uh, Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sukkot and Azekah in Ephes Damim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. Verse 3. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley in between them. So the scene is set. The scene is set for a battle. They're ready for battle, and they're both sitting on, on hills. They're both sitting on a little hill, or some of your translations might say uh, mountain, but uh, there are no like huge mountains as we know them out here over there. There are lots of these, a lot of big hills, but they're on these hill, they're on the hill with a valley in between them, and they're staring each other down, and they're getting ready to fight. The, so the, the the scene is set that way. Um, the first three verses, verse four. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a, in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was clothed with uh, scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze uh, greaves on his, his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear, his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. So verses four through seven were introduced to this champion. To this Philistine champion, uh, his name was Goliath. Um, the word Goliath means splendor. So mama knew what he was going to be when he, was, when he was born. He's this huge man. This man who, who boldly and, um, uh, um, well, just boldly is, is named Splendor. He's the splendor of the, of the Philistine army. He's somewhere, if a span is, I mean, if a, um, uh, if a cubit is 18 inches, he's somewhere upwards around nine feet or, or taller, nine feet tall. So um, that's an incredible, incredible hulk of a man standing there um, at nine feet. And all of his armor, the armor and everything that he's weighing, probably weighs in somewhere around 150 to 200 pounds. He's got up to like 200 pounds of armor on. So he's got to be a strong man. His, his spear that he has or, or the... Um, um, the uh, spear that he has has a, the, the head of it or tip of it weighs about 15 pounds. He's huge. He's already huge, nine feet tall, and he's got all this armor on, about 200 pounds of armor. That makes him look even bigger. And he's got this shield bearer who walked before him or shield carrier that walked before him. He is the pride of the Philistine army. 
And so the Bible, uh, I heard one pastor say, nowhere in the Bible do they take the time, does the Holy Spirit take the time to describe physically a person like they describe Goliath here. They describe David, handsome guy. Describe Saul, you know, you know Saul was head and shoulders. We'll come back to that. Um, described um, even uh, um, um, beautiful uh, women in the Bible were just beautiful. You know, or, or, there's nowhere in the Bible where there's a description like this, full. So the Holy Spirit wants us to see this. He wants us to see just how menacing this person was or wants to just go into detail about um, uh, what is causing Israel to just cower and shake. And so this splendor of the Philistine army, Goliath, is described in, in, in uh, 4 through uh, 7. Take a look at verse, verse 8. 8 through 10. 8 says this. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you even come out to draw up in battle, a uh, battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose the man from yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Or one translation says they were terrified. They were terrified. Not just the people of Israel, not just the, uh, the army, but Saul himself, Saul and all the army, were greatly terrified. Verse 8, Goliath would ask, why do you guys even come out to fight? Why do you even bother? Why do you waste your time and my time? You just, um, um, you know you're going to, you know you're going to lose this battle or, or you're just wasting time. I'm defying you. And so he stands and, and he, he screams and he intimidates them. That's, that's something that he did and did very well. That's what the enemy does, right? He stands, this hulking menace stands and before the battle even begins, tries to intimidate you and tries to intimidate us. That's a good tactic. You know, I'm watching the, uh, you know, the rugby games. You know, the, the New Zealand team does this little haka thing, you know, before they, before they get started. You got these menacing men standing in front of, in front of their, their enemy or whatever. And they do this crazy dance. And they've got these crazy expressions on their faces. And, and they're screaming and yelling. And, and the other team is just sitting there going, what? The intimidation factor is a great tactic if I'm going up against an enemy, I want him to be intimidated before we even engage. Because sometimes if he's intimidated, we don't have to engage. He'll back down. The enemy will back down and won't even fight. It's a great tactic. If I'm going to fight, I must show, I must demonstrate, I must try to, to win that, that head game before we even start the battle. And that's what Goliath does. They want to win. Why suffer the casualties? Why them jump in and, and, and do the battle if they can intimidate Israel down or, or back Israel down without even fighting the battle? That's exactly what I see every single day with me and you and us Christians afraid of the battle that hasn't even started, afraid of the war that hasn't even started yet. 
Sometimes God calls us and we're standing on the mountain and we hear God and we know God. We know what he's calling us to do. We know he's asking us to engage, to go into the battle. And we sit there intimidated before it even starts. It screams. It's screaming. This big hulking, whatever that battle is, screaming. It's just huge. Mountain of an issue. Mountain of a problem. Mountain of a, of, of a, of a situation. And we cower so much so that oftentimes we don't even go into battle. We're done. I'll just sit here. I'll just sit. That's too scary. Like Saul and like all of Israel, we sit and we quake. And the enemy will look at us and go... And come out every single morning and defy, not just defy me or defy you, defy the living God. Defy him every morning, every evening. He would come out twice a day, morning and evening. And we look and we cower before our enemies like that often. That tactic of trying to intimidate so that we don't even go to war is a good one, is a great one. Sometimes we need, or oftentimes, we need to recognize, we need to recognize just how intimidated and paralyzed we are. And some of us are. I am not going to engage in this conversation with this person. We just keep fighting, or we keep doing this, or I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because it just leads to, I'm not going to try to um, set boundaries. In this relationship, or I'm not going to try to, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm fighting with my son, I'm fighting with my daughter, I'm fighting with my wife, or whatever. I'm not going to lay down rules and boundaries in my own house. Because it just causes too much, and just, it's, it's not worth it, and I don't, I don't want to fight that battle. And God is saying, engage. And the enemy intimidates us. Sons and daughters, and work, and bosses, and people, and situations, and, and they just... They just paralyze us and freeze us. And they do that, and they do that very well. I'm speaking just of me. I know. But God wants us to engage. Look at what happened. It says, it look, it says that um, it says every day, every day he came out, he would come out, and he would defy Israel like this. This is going to go on for 40 days. It's going to go on for 40 days. Um, and when we jump down to... Um, where, what, where does it tell us 40 days? Uh, I'm, so I'm going to start jumping around, something I shouldn't do. Um, uh, but I am. But 40 days, and I can't find it real quickly. 16, then Philistine came forward. Morning and evening, thank you. Morning and evening, he would come out. 40 days, and he would taunt Israel. Well, question. If he's doing this every single day for 40 days... Do the Philistines want to fight? No. No. Israel definitely doesn't want to fight. They're quaking in their boots, in their sandals, whatever. They're quaking. They're afraid. Philistines don't want to fight either. Or they would have, knowing how weak or frightened or afraid or whatever Israel was, they'd have ransacked them a long time ago. They would know that they knew that they, if they knew that they had to battle, they would have ran them over Days and days ago, weeks ago, it's like two kids on the playground. You know, they, you know when they don't want to fight. They're sitting there going round and round and round and round. Yeah, yeah, you bad, no, I'm bad. You bad, no, and they just just going around. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to fight. The listeners don't want to fight. 
Your enemy knows too. Your enemy knows. They might shout. They might stand on the mountain and look menacing. Your problem might look like it is just insurmountable or whatever. They don't want to fight with you. Not if you've got the Spirit of God in you, like you're supposed to have in you. See, Saul didn't. Saul was sitting there quaking, right? Saul was quaking for a reason. What happened last chapter? I think it was the last chapter. The Spirit of God did what? Departed and left Saul. Guess what happens to your courage, to my courage, when the Spirit of God leaves? Or the Spirit of God takes a step back in our lives doesn't fill us. We'd be shaking too. And we shake too. See, Saul only had that courage because he had the Spirit of God in him. No Spirit of God. No Holy Spirit living in you, residing in you, filling you. No courage. I know when I'm scared. I know when I'm paralyzed. I know when I do not want to engage and why I'm not engaging. It's because I'm not close enough. I'm not drawing closer to God. I'm not asking the Spirit to fill me every day, every hour, every minute. I need it. Because the enemy is there every day, every hour, every minute, taunting me and taunting you. And I need to be filled with His Spirit. No Spirit filling me. No courage. No courage. And courage doesn't mean that I have, that I'm, that I'm not fearful, that I'm not afraid. That's not courage. Courage is, like one coach said, courage is in the face of terror. You are frightened, you are afraid and terrorized, but you are not paralyzed. You move forward and you keep moving forward and you engage in the battle. You engage with, with the plan that's been laid out. That's courage. Not just not being afraid. We all are. We all experience that. But we have, but we have the Holy Spirit in us, given to us for that reason. Courage. He would tell Joshua, God would tell Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Your God, your God is with you. And so Saul didn't have it because the Holy Spirit had, just, had departed from him. You don't have it and I don't have it when we're not close enough and we're not drawing close enough. There's a Holy Spirit filled courage that every believer has access to. That every believer can have, should have, must have to be victorious in this life and in the battles that we face and that we're confronted with. And you will not, you cannot win without that. You need to be filled, like Pastor Chris said, with the Spirit. You need to be filled with His Spirit. You need to experience the filling of His Spirit. When you taste that and taste that, that Holy Spirit-filled power that He gives us, nothing of us, nothing in and of what we can do, but what the Holy Spirit does, you will be amazed at God using you, little old you and little old me, to do some amazing things. Amazing things. So, we've got this, this, this battle that neither one wants to fight. One, because the enemy knows who you are. The enemy doesn't want you to know who you are. See, that's the, that is the devil's 
greatest trick. He doesn't want you to know who you are. As long as you don't know, he's good. You are a child of the king. You are a soldier in the king's army. You are unbeatable. You cannot. My son, my, my son says, my son now, I think part of his mantra is, I cannot go. I cannot depart from this life one minute before God says, okay. Amen. I am here and I am here and I am protected and I am safe until he says so. Therefore, I must do. I must continue to do what he's, he's called me to do. The enemy doesn't want you to know things like that. Doesn't want you to know the power that you have, the authority that you have. Remember the disciples coming back after Jesus sent them out? They were excited. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We, we healed and we did all. They were excited about the power that lived in them, that resided in them, that resides in you and me. And the devil doesn't want us to know that because he knows. He knows. Just like the Philistine army standing on the other side. I defy you, I defy you, but they're not fighting. They're not coming to fight. Verse 11 is a sorry verse that Israel was terrified, that Saul was terrified. Verse 12, now David was the son of the um, Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among them. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle, or they had followed Saul into battle. They were a part of the army. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were um, Eliab, the firstborn, and the second to him, uh, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. Pause. That's interesting. Let's come back to how do I know someone's heart? I, knew Saul, I know Saul's heart. He's paralyzed. He can't do anything. He's ineffective. He's, 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 not, he's, not, he's not filled with the authority, with the power that God can fill him with. I can see that in his actions. Do you see David? David comes in, is, introduces David again. He's this young kid. And, and David, remember in the, in the last chapter, he was doing something for Saul. What was he doing? He was playing for Saul, right? Spirit left Saul. This spirit comes upon Saul and is driving Saul crazy. And David will be asked to come in. David is now a person in the, in the, in the, um, the palace of the king. He hangs, has audience with, or is around king folk. The king. Little old David has that kind of access. You would think with that kind of access, you stick out his chest, you know, walk around with his nose up and all snooty and, and everything, and that's what he does. Verse 15 says, but he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem, the back, the word, the the the, uh, the word back and forth has uh, means um, it's not just one a one time thing. It's this is what he was doing. He continued to do this. He'd go. He'd be in the palace with Saul, with the king, attended, had uh, audience with the king, and then he'd be back at home and uh, with the king and back at home. David, David was going back and forth. 
But let's look at um, what does that mean? He didn't he didn't say I'm in the king's palace now, dad. I don't do this stuff. I don't tend sheep anymore out in the field, dirty, sweaty and hot. I'm, I'm part of the king's court and palace. I'm next to the king. I'm so important. And he doesn't he doesn't do that. So what giants do you need to slay in 2017? Well, we come to 1 Samuel 17, and Pastor Mel Campbell uh, preached this message to us. And you know, this is the famous message where David, little David, takes on Goliath. But David wasn't so little. And the reason he wasn't so little is 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily, mightily upon David from that day forward. See, the key for David was he had the Spirit of the Lord mightily upon him. That's why he could take on Goliath. You know, everybody else was running away while Goliath was taunting the armies of the living God. But David, he said, no, that's not going to happen. And so, even though Goliath was so intimidating, so huge, you know, big, a warrior, what was he, nine feet, six inches tall, something like that, he was... Uh, just, you know, this intimidating uh, man. And yet, David saw him through God's eyes. You see, we need to see our giants through the power of God. And when we do, they don't look so big anymore. The giant doesn't look so big anymore when you compare him to God's power. And see, folks, that's what we fail to do. We start comparing our giants, metaphorically speaking, to us. And when we do that, oh, there's a lot of things that look bigger than us. More powerful, intimidating. But when we understand that the Spirit of the living God lives in us, and if you're a Christian right now, He does. Uh, the Spirit of God has sealed you to the day of redemption. Uh, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And so the key is to tap into that power that's already there. The living God lives inside of you, my friend, my brother or sister. So don't be afraid. You can move forward in faith and you can slay the giants. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.